Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast that makes life feel lighter. And if you're wanting to live freed up and not fed up, stay connected right here. Pull up your seat. Join us in this place where faith and mental health meet. I'm your host, Tina Robertson, a licensed clinical social worker, a mental health therapist and trainer. And whether you're returning here or it's your first time listening, welcome. And I hope you find this as a useful resource to elevate your faith and your mental health. So stay a while, all of you. Now, let's get it started. Okay, so we've covered one of the attachment patterns, the anxious, ambivalent, preoccupied attachment style on our last episode. Today, I'm going to cover another one of the insecure attachment styles. We talked about the research on attachment theory in some previous episodes with Dr. Rose, who was our guest psychologist. So if you want to learn more about that, you can listen into those episodes, episodes 74 and 75. But today we're going to dig into the avoidant dismissive style and pattern. But before we do, I want to make sure that I repeat this each episode that we cover attachment because some are listening to this episode who may not have heard the previous ones where I've outlined this disclaimer. So first, we talk about the attachment styles and patterns not to shame or blame parents or caregivers or even yourself. We talk about them because We want to understand more about how we might be subconsciously behaving in our various relationships with others that may not be as healthy as we would like. And then the second thing is that attachment styles are often generational patterns. They're not because of genetics, but they're because we tend to repeat learned behaviors that are part of our relational reality from our earliest interactions. So that's important to remember. And then third, Attachment patterns and styles are not life sentences. None of us are in attachment style prison. Through awareness and choosing to put in the work of healing from our early attachment breaches, which by the way, we may not even know when they happen or how they happen, which is why doing this work with a therapist is advised. But when we are aware and choose to do the work, we can engage in healthier ways and break unhealthy patterns to get freed up. Now, finally, I want to mention this because I haven't mentioned it before, but it's important to know. Much like we have a mix of personality styles and types, and we may have one that's dominant, the same thing can be said for attachment styles. Because depending on the circumstances of our earliest relational experiences in life, we may have had a consistently varied interaction with our parents or caregivers. And that could have caused us to respond behaviorally in different ways. So some behaviors we might have adopted may have made sense when our caregiver was more detached. And then other behaviors might have made sense when the caregiver seemed to be more erratic or emotionally dysregulated. So someone could show up relationally sometimes as more preoccupied or anxious And then at other times, they may have a tendency that lends them toward dismissive or avoiding. So just know that as you listen, you may hear in these episodes 
some behavior descriptions that might describe how you view yourself in more than one style. And then also know this too, that you may not fit all the descriptors that are shared in each of the styles or patterns, and that's okay too. Okay, now another very important point to ground you in this conversation. The information shared on Freed Up related to mental health and clinical conversations, y'all, is all psychoeducation, okay? That means I can't diagnose anyone individually through this platform, nor would I want to or would I try. And by the way, there's a lot of misinformation floating around out there, especially on social media, particularly on TikTok and Instagram. So influencers, pseudo coaches, and other people who just have decided to put up a platform and take other people's information and put it up, folks who are not clinically trained are trying to really ride this mental health train by offering information. And I've seen some even diagnosing people via their pages and their posts. That means that somebody may be saying, hey, if you do this or act this way, then you are this. And a lot of it I've seen around behavioral diagnoses like narcissism, which is a personality disorder, or bipolar or schizophrenia, things that all require clinically trained mental health professionals to assess, diagnose, and treat. So be careful out there as you're taking in information, okay? But that said, if you happen to take an attachment quiz online, that's an okay starting point, right? Um, If you want to fully understand how you might be showing up relationally, take that information to someone who's trained in attachment or trauma-based therapy and ask them about their credentials. And then you can process with them what comes out of your attachment quiz. And listen, I realize not everybody can afford a therapist and that's okay too. There are some workbooks and some resources that are reputable clinical professionals, and we can recommend those to you from Freed Up. If you want to reach out, email us. We can definitely respond to you and get you on the right track with resource support. All right, you got it? Okay, so that's a whole lot of pre-topic conversation today, but trust me, it's all necessary for me to say because I want to make sure I'm always ethically sound and ensure that I'm holding true to my core values as a mental health professional. Okay, so now let's look at this insecure attachment style that we call avoidant or dismissive. But first, let me review what a secure attachment is. We talked about this in our episode with Dr. Rose. Secure attachment occurs when in the infant and child stages of life, a need is expressed by that child and the caregiver attunes which means they notice and respond. They attune to that need and they meet it fairly consistently. And the research around this says that if that happens about 60% of the time, then that can create a secure attachment. And when it doesn't happen, that parent or caregiver makes sure that they repair that breach or they seek to promote safety following a disconnection. And so when that happens, the child learns that he or she is safe and they're seen and they're going to be soothed by their parent in times of distress or just for bonding in general. And then they form this secure attachment to their parent or their caregiver. And we call that having a secure home base. And what happens is then that that child has learned that the world is reasonably safe for them relationally and they feel more confident in their relationships. They can have both independence and dependence and this harmony within the relationships that they have. Now, by the way, 
we need to experience similar age-appropriate secure attachments across our lifespan. That's how we continue to have healthy, safe relationships. What happens when a child experiences, though, an avoidant attachment experience, they develop this tendency toward moving away from connection. This happens because although the parent or the caregiver likely does not purposefully do this, they may have become emotionally unavailable to their child, meaning that they've avoided emotion and intimacy and potentially they've rejected their child when the child reached out to them. In addition, the caregiver might also have discouraged the child from expressing emotion, positive or negative. And this might have been because maybe the parent or caregiver felt overwhelmed by their child's emotion and closed themselves off to that. As a result of that, the child's deep inner need to be close to their caregiver, but then experiencing that emotional distance consistently, that child will likely stop seeking closeness or they may stop expressing their emotions. And then consequently, these children may mute or repress their emotional expression. They may pull away from others to ensure that they don't get rejected again. And really, this is a protective mechanism so that they can really manage that wounding that they feel and it shields and prevents them from feeling this future pain. But here is what you have to know. That child is feeling anxious about having their needs met because they fear any emotional expression due to the fact that they had a response of coldness or distance. They often appear on the outside that they are cool, calm, and in control, but really on the inside, they're distressed. They may not cry or even seem to be in need because they've learned that when they express a need, it doesn't get met. And they often feel a lot of pain and shame because of this rejection and distance from their parent or caregiver. So then what can happen over the course of time in adulthood, individuals who have experienced avoiding attachment, they can show up as dismissive in their relationships. And so what that means is they may often maintain this sense of disconnection from others to continue to protect themselves from these painful emotions that they experienced early on in their relational attachment. And while they actually have needs and wants like everybody else, and that's very normal, we all have needs and we all have wants, but they may be unaware of those needs or have learned to numb them or dumb them down because it can feel very uncomfortable or even shameful to feel a need since they were dismissed in their earliest life experiences. And they likely internalize this behavior from their caregiver and start believing that something was wrong with them. And that's what creates this shame identity. Now, adults with dismissive attachment pattern tend to be the distancer in their relationships. They might often be or seem emotionally unavailable and be prone to being by themselves, independent, and seek isolation. They want closeness and connection, but they fear intimacy, and they might find it difficult to move past 
a sort of surface type of relational experience. They might also have trouble understanding when somebody else wants or needs something from them. They can potentially show a lack of empathy in a relationship, whether it's from a friend, a family, or even in a romantic relationship. But remember this, just like with that anxious, ambivalent attachment style that we talked about last week, these behaviors are predominantly subconscious because they are imprinted in the neural pathways of the brain and they've registered as wounds in the nervous system of the body. Now, some may say, just as a general way to describe a dismissive attachment style, that they are the stay away but don't leave me type of people. And their biggest need is space. So one of the worst things that can happen with an avoided relational style is to crowd them or to try to press them or get too close too soon, too often without understanding what it is that they need to be supported. Now think about it. This is quite the opposite of the anxious preoccupied, which could generally be described as, I need you close to me and please don't go. Almost the direct opposite. And the preoccupied attachment style's biggest need is consistency and connection. So again, the more that you can understand the relational patterns, the more you can accept others where they are and build these healthier and safer interactions between one another, understanding each other's needs and the need for healing in safe spaces. So if I could summarize really the overall um, insecure feelings that go with this avoided dismissive patterns, they have trouble with closeness, with intimacy, with expression of emotions, understanding how to deal with others' expression of needs and wants and their emotions and demands for attention. They struggle with judgment and criticism and then also having to depend on others. But listen, it's important to note this. Our attachment styles do not define us. Each person has strengths, beautiful qualities, and exceptionality. And many who are managing dismissive attachment styles are socially engaging, they're fun to be around, and they love deeply. They will just need much patience, acceptance, and no judgment and safe interactions to feel like that they can express themselves and trust someone not to reject them if they show themselves authentically. So we're just skimming the surface here, right? Because there are so many other details that we could cover. But before we close out, I'm going to give a few strategies that I think are so very helpful for anyone trying to manage this dismissive attachment style or pattern. The first thing to consider is learn to identify and feel and sit with your emotions. First, identify. You have to be able to recognize. And if we don't take time to be mindful and self-reflective and pay attention, we can't identify. And then it's so important to feel. This is the hard thing. We talked about this last episode. You have to be able to feel through emotions in order to tolerate them. And the more that the dismissive attachment style pattern that you are able to feel and be in tune with those emotions, the better you'll be able to have empathy for others and recognize when they are in that space as well. 
you're also going to feel healthier and safer in your body. And that's going to help to alleviate some of that distress that happens when big emotions occur around you and you start to feel uncomfortable. The more that you feel emotions, the more comfortable you will feel when emotions are expressed. Okay, here's the second thing I want to encourage for consideration. Challenge yourself to open up communication beyond the surface so that you can start stretching yourself to authentic connection. You know, along the way, because of the emotional unavailability and the distance, you learned that it wasn't safe to express. Or maybe you were muted because of it or told, man up or woman up, get over it. So hearing those kinds of expressions and phrases may make you feel like emotions weren't safe to express or to talk about. And so be patient with yourself and those who are around individuals who may have remnants of this attachment style or pattern. Don't push too soon. Know when to stop so you don't overwhelm them. Know that they may feel out of control at times when expressing, but give them time to open up. So to grow here, just stretch yourself on communication. Just start with something as simple as I'm feeling blank. And right now I need some time to just sit with that. Give yourself some time and space. All right, here's the third thing. The third thing is challenge those negative and intrusive thoughts. So listen, one of the things that happens when you have this dismissive attachment style that you're managing is that you're having these thoughts about maybe they're not safe. Can I trust them? Why are they coming toward me? Why are they trying to connect with me? I need them to move away. So when you start having these thoughts because you think that that individual may hurt you, I want you to do exactly what we talked about in our episodes about dealing with unhelpful thinking styles. The first thing you want to do is you want to check the thought. You got to stop it. And then you want to challenge the thought. You want to be able to bring evidence to say, is this relevant to this person right now? Or is that something that was relevant to someone before them? Am I placing an undue or unfair burden on someone else that they don't deserve? begin to challenge those thoughts. And then the third thing is we change them. So we change those thoughts and we bring something into the space that we know is a fact. So this is when we believe and start thinking just because it happened before doesn't mean it will happen this time. Now, clearly we don't have any guarantees about any relationships in our lives, but with the right tools and supportive, trusting, secure, attaching relationships, you can really start to minimize those fears and change those thoughts and develop trust in trustworthy people. And then lastly, as with all of these attachment styles, remember, you can always seek therapy and do so if you can, because it is through that process that you get that individual support to walk through your own personal experience and move toward your space of getting freed up. And then lastly, for every insecure attachment that we've talked about and we'll talk about, it will require prayer and finding the right scriptures that encourage your heart in this journey. You can do this. Don't give up on it and don't rush the process. Just keep working toward it. Don't choose to stay where you are. You have so much to offer so many. 
Okay, listen, another full episode of understanding more about these different attachment styles and how they can show up in our adult interactions. The beauty of it is that we can get freed up and make these shifts and changes so that we can have healthier interactions and truly demonstrate the love that God has given to us to show to others and ourselves. And remember, you do not walk this path alone. I'm walking right alongside you as well as the rest of the freed up friends and family. Most importantly, don't forget, God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.